Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Well, this is our last in-person service for the year, and we've been talking about this series, which is called, it's coming up on the screen, I Wasn't Expecting That. So it's the idea is that it's the Christmas story through the eyes of others. So different characters and how they saw and experienced the birth of Jesus Christ. And... In, at Christmas, but all the time, Jesus is always revealing himself, but he doesn't always reveal himself in the way that we expect. And it's really, really important for us to understand that, that Jesus is going to show himself, reveal himself, but it's maybe not what you have in mind. It's maybe you're not, pre, not your preconception, but it will be something that is personal and something that is powerful. And this is really, really good. I'm going to jump straight into it with my first point for this message today. And my first point is Jesus belongs to the seekers. Jesus belongs to the seekers. That is such a powerful thing. When we read the Bible, when we open up the history, which a lot of it is stories about different people's experiences and the way that they encountered God, often, most often imperfect people encountering God. When we open up, we don't find a profile. We don't see that Jesus belongs to the rich. We don't see that he belongs to the poor. We don't see that he belongs to the influential, to the popular. We don't see that he belongs to the lonely. We don't see that there's any particular ethnicity or people group or age or gender. But what we do see is that Jesus belongs to the seekers. And so today we're going to look at the story of two seekers, two people who sought after Jesus and actually saw Jesus. And their names are Simeon and Anna. And I'm going to read two little passages from Luke chapter 2, the first one starting at verse 25, and the second one, Luke chapter 2, verse 36. So they'll be on the screen, but you can also follow along in your Bible or on your device. And firstly, they'll start with this guy by the name of Simeon. And it says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. This is the first person, an older gentleman, who had this incredible promise from God that he would actually see the Messiah. Amazing. The second person was this lady by the name of Anna. She was a prophet and was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died 
when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer. This is the story of two seekers, a man named Simeon and a lady by the name of Anna. Now, in this story, Jesus has been born, and as was the custom, he was presented to the temple when he was on the eighth day, and he was circumcised. If you've not heard that word before, Google that in your own time. Just make sure you put the safe search on, okay? So he was uh, brought there in that time, and he was presented. And when he arrived to the temple, these two people, these two seekers, coincidentally encountered him and met. And when they did, they immediately recognized who he was. Now, Jesus wasn't born. We know that wise men came and and saw him. We know that shepherds were alerted. But apart from that, the birth of Jesus was not with a lot of fanfare. It was not with a lot of uh, attention. And so they're kind of just coming in quietly to make their, their sacrifice. Based on the sacrifice that they made, Mary and Joseph were poor because they didn't do a big sacrifice. They did a little sacrifice. And so they come in and these two people encounter Jesus. And here's what I want to say. If you seek Jesus, you will see Jesus. If you seek Jesus, you'll see him. In uh, verse 29, this is what Simeon says, this prophetic statement. Luke 2, 29, it says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. Okay, this is a specific prayer to him. You can pray this prayer if you want, but just be careful. Okay, this is a specific prayer because God had given him a promise that he would see the Messiah before he died. And he said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. Here's what Simeon says. I've seen it. I've been seeking Jesus. I've been promised to see the Messiah and I've seen it. I, I know that this is God. This is the promised one. And so Simeon saw Jesus. And then in the next scene, we see Anna also saw Jesus. And Jesus belongs to the seekers. Here's my question. Do you want to see Jesus? Now, some of us were like, oh, I've never thought of that question. I've never heard that question. I didn't know that was possible to, to do that. I think that's a question. I think fundamentally, most people would say yes. If there was a chance that I could see Jesus, I would love to do that. But I'm not quite sure what it would look like, feel like. I'm pretty sure I'd like Jesus. Some of us is like, I don't know if Jesus would like me. Hint, he would, but anyway, we'll talk about that later. But 
Do you want to see Jesus? Is there something within you that says, I would like to have a revelation of Jesus in my life? I do. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how that is possible. This week, I've had heaps of conversations about people wanting to encounter Jesus. What does that mean when a pastor says heaps of conversations? Well, it's more than one. It's more than two. Three. More than three. Heaps. Okay? Just give you a bit of pastor's code there. Because, and the people that I'm, I'm talking to, they're like, I want to I do that, but I don't know how that's possible. Like, do you mean you're actually going to see a figure and, or well, maybe sometimes, usually it's a little bit different. There's a bit of a, there's a knowing. Sometimes there's impressions and thoughts and, and we see Jesus when we open the word of God. He is the word of God. And so there's all kinds of different ways that you can do it, but you can do it. It is possible. And here's the promise. If we seek Jesus... We'll see Jesus. If you set your heart, if you set your life upon pursuing Jesus, I guarantee you 100% that you won't be disappointed. It's a pretty big call, Andrew. I got you. I got you. Jesus got you. Okay. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Hundreds and hundreds of years... Before Jesus was born, he was prophesied about in very specific ways. Now, the chances of all those prophecies coming true, some of which are still to be fulfilled, is trillions and billions to one. Okay, long odds. This is one of the proofs for Jesus' existence, apart from the historical evidence, but it's also prophetic fulfillment. Now, there was a guy by the name of Jeremiah, and here's what he said. He spoke about the Messiah. Jeremiah spoke about the Messiah. That's awesome. That just came to me. I'm riffing here. Okay, Jeremiah 29, 13. He says, you'll seek me and find me when? When you seek me with your whole heart. What does that mean? Your heart, it means everything that is within you. When the Bible talks about heart, it's not just your feelings or emotions. It is your feeling and emotions, but it's your desire. It's your will. It's your attitude, it's your posture that seeking Jesus is the most important thing. Mary, the mother of Jesus, this is really significant. In the previous chapter, Luke 1, in this prophetic song she has, he, she says, He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. What does that mean? If you're in a position where you think that you've got it all and you don't have that hunger or that spiritual desire for Jesus, even if he did walk by, you wouldn't recognize him anyway. So there's something powerful about positioning yourself as a seeker of God. The Bible often uses words like hunger and thirst because who ate something this week? Okay, I'm pretty sure, okay. Could be some really holy fasting people. Uh, but you needed to eat more than once this week, didn't you? And drink more than once. So you're hungry and thirsty. We have three kids. Our two boys 
are ravenously hungry. Matt and Gwendy know this because they went to the zoo with us and we fed them and immediately within five minutes after giving them fruit and sandwiches, they're just like, Dad, Mom, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And, and we're like, see, we do feed them. You saw, you saw what they ate. We do look after them, but they're still hungry. So that's evidence there. He's filled the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away empty. And that's what Mary says. Jesus says this himself when he's grown up. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So there's this expectation and this promise that if I hunger, I'll be filled. If I'm thirsty, I'll be filled. If I set my heart after the things of God, then he will come through. And I think that is one of the most important fundamental building blocks of the Christian faith and what it means to follow Jesus. That if I keep coming and saying, God, I want more of you, I want to see you, I want to encounter you, you'll never be disappointed. And you'll never get yesterday's bread. You'll get something that's new. You'll get something that's fresh. You know, the, some of the people that I admire most in my life are older people, actually probably like in the profile of Simeon and Anna, they might be older in their bodies, but you can tell that their spirits are alive. In a way, they're kind of evergreen. Do you know some people like that? That you're like, yeah, I know them. I can point them out. I don't want to embarrass them, um, although I'm not opposed to that. Um, but there's this idea that it's just not, you don't just get a pill or a vaccine, a Jesus vaccine. It's this growing and living relationship with Jesus. And he will, I guarantee you, 100%, he will reveal himself to you. And so, if you seek Jesus, you'll see Jesus. Two of these people that did that in this passage are Anna and Simeon. And I want to have a look at the profile of a seeker. What were these two people committed to that allowed them to live their life wanting to see Jesus and seeing Jesus? And so I want to look at a couple of things that seekers have. The first thing is that seekers have a genuine love for God. And I would call this a devotion. When we talk about our church and our culture, one of the things that's important to us is belonging. And the heart of belonging is actually devotion. If I am devoted to God and I am devoted to you, and you, are, you do the same, we will form this amazing, unbreakable bond of life, life-giving friendship. It's devotion. There's this uh, prayer, a Jewish prayer, and if you didn't know, the Christian Bible is also uh, contains part of the Jewish Bible. There's this Jewish prayer, and it was one of the prayers that they were encouraged to speak daily. So Jews would be encouraged to pray. They prayed after food. We pray before food. So grace, type of grace, thankfulness for food. But there was this other prayer. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and basically it's a prayer of devotion. Jesus quotes it, Love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and mind and soul and strength. Now, most mornings, I start my morning with this thought. God, help me to love you with everything that is within me. Because that, if I can get that connection right, the rest of my day is going to go pretty good. Not always perfect. My wife's here. And she's the only one that believes I'm perfect. No, this is the opposite. <laughs> I have my moments. But it's a genuine love for God. Some of you in your journey, you might have to start back a little bit. God going, okay. You just open your heart a little bit and say, God, show yourself to me. That's perfectly fine as well. But for those who... Uh, putting their, want to become a seeker, that's the prayer. Everything that's in me, my mind, my thought, my emotions, everything, my desires, help me love what you love and want what you want. This is a prayer of devotion. We've been talking about that. The second thing that they have is space for surrender, which I call worship. Now, as I was thinking about this point, I wanted to think about a way to explain this that didn't just limit worship to, I, I love what we've done here, but it didn't just limit worship to this occasional setting, this 20, 25 minutes. And so how could I explain that? One way that I thought I could explain that is worship as surrender is tools down, hands up. So tools down, meaning just stop, stop doing what you're doing for just a moment or a couple of minutes or a longer time and put your hands up in surrender and to begin to recognize God as God because we compete with God all the time and we need to know that there are things that God can do that we can't do and you know what they are he can't give you peace he can, you, you can't bring yourself all the peace that you need or all the joy that you need or all the energy that you need all the provision that you need we need to create space for surrender. And this is worship. We put our tools down. We lift our hands up. I was reading this story uh, this week of a seeker. And uh, I don't know if any of you have heard about Susanna Wesley. So she was the mother of uh, John and Charles Wesley. So two revivalists. Charles Wesley wrote 9,000 hymns. So 9,000 songs. That's a lot. It's a big number. And uh, John Wesley, uh, revivalist, through their lives, of, we've been impacted through their lives. So she had 10 kids in all. And she ran the household. She worked the gardens, milked the cow. She homeschooled and managed the entire house to herself. Now she, if, as you could imagine, she couldn't find space to pray. She really had a heart to seek God and she couldn't find space to pray. So what she worked out is she would put her apron over her head. And so her kids knew that if mum has the apron over the head, don't disturb her. Okay, next year we're getting some merch, some sweet mum merch. We're going to have aprons that says, don't bother me. I'm with God. You can just pull that. On, on the front side, it says, I'm a happy person. And on the other side, it says, don't bother me. I'm with God. Okay? Because here's the reality. 
you know, who, I think we all experience the pressures and busyness of life, but for her, she had to find a way to create some space for surrender. If you are setting your heart to be a seeker, you're going to have to do the same. But you can find a way that you can do that and find your own way. And maybe buy one of these cool aprons that we're making up. Which is a joke, not a funny one. Okay, we're going to go through the rest of these quickly. The next one that is a characteristic of Anna is Anna fasted. What is fasting? Here's a way that I explain it. Fasting is simplifying our desires. We fill our life with a lot of clutter. And when we fast, whether we take a break from food or maybe uh, create some space to pray, stop, uh, have some time off social media or screens, we actually simplify our desires so that we can remind ourselves about what is really important. And that is the heart of fasting. The next thing is expectant prayer. They were both eagerly waiting. Now that might seem like a contradiction to be eagerly waiting, but this is actually what it means to live in the faith zone. You see, I was talking about this before the service to some of the teams. Expectation and faith are best friends. They are best friends. And so Simeon had this promise from God, which was a pretty big promise that he wouldn't die before he saw the Messiah. Now, people had been expecting the Messiah for a very, very long time, but he had the audacity to believe that he would see it in his lifetime. And so for a long time, because he was old, he couldn't see what was promised, but he still expected it. Now, this might sound like a contradiction, but here's what I want to remind you of is what has God promised you? What are you expecting? Some of you, you're believing for a friend or a family member to find Jesus. Others of you are believing to, uh, some of you may be believing to, to have children. Some of you may be believing for a life partner, a husband or a wife. Some of you are believing for a house. Some of you are believing for a career or a promise about a business or an idea to come to pass. And here's what I want to encourage you and remind you is don't give up hope. Begin to pray again. If you've been discouraged, begin to hope again and have this expectation plus this faith that says I can believe for that. But God's going to be the one that has to make it happen because I can't do it by myself. I mean, if you could do it by yourself, you would have done it already, right? And so we need to remind ourselves to be in the faith zone. I read this quote this week. It says, The power of prayer is not in the one who prays, but in the one who listens. Let me say that again. The power of prayer is not in the one who prays, but in the one who listens. The power of our prayer is listening to God and asking him what he wants to do, what he wants to say, and then attaching our faith to those things, to his promise, not just whatever we can think of. So, 
here's what I want to encourage you right now. Take 10 seconds. What is something that you know God has spoken to you about that you are yet to see? Or maybe you'd like to see but you think is impossible. What is that? Can you hold on to that? If that's lost a bit of energy or momentum, can you fire that up again and say, God, I don't know, this has been a disappointment. I haven't seen this, but I'm choosing to eagerly and expectantly believe for you to do this. This is the last point, and I'd love for um, Sally to come back on the keyboard. The characteristic of these two people, these seekers, is that they were responsive to the Spirit. They were movable. My question to you, for those who are choosing to be a seeker, are you movable? Are you promptable? When God calls you to do something, are you willing to take a step out? Are you willing to trust Him? Are you willing to give it a go? A couple of months ago, I, I, um, I met this pastor, just a little pastor's gathering. Nice guy uh, down on the, uh, the border, uh, down kind of cool and gather, Tweed Heads Way. Um, pastors at church down there. Great guy. I didn't know him super well. And uh, what happens is, as I go through life, I just pray for people. So I pray for you. I pray for just different people that I, I meet. And I was praying for him over a couple of days. And every time I did, I felt God saying and actually intensifying. When I prayed for him, I had these words, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. And so it was, it's it's weird, right? It's a little unusual. Um, and so I'm like, I just keep praying about it. And, you know, sometimes if you kind of let some things go, sometimes they go and sometimes they stick. So I thought, what am I going to do about it? I've got to, you know, take, take a bit of a risk. And so I just, I sent him a text and said, look, hey, I've been praying for you. This is a little unusual. Just want to submit this to you. And said to him, every time I pray for you, I feel like God's shouting at me, getting out of the boat, get out of the boat. And he texts me back and he said, that is the funniest thing because I said to my wife last night at our house, I said to her, I've never felt more like I'm in the boat and Jesus is inviting me to get out of it in my whole life. And... I'm just saying, take a risk. I'm not a big God says this and God says that because it quite often doesn't leave people space to move because are they going to argue with God? I just say, hey, this is what I've prayed about. This is I submit this to you. I hope it encourages you. So leave them some space. But what I am saying is, if God was going to speak to you and it was a good thing, it was a godly thing, and it was a thing that wasn't kind of to puff you up, would you listen? Would you have enough faith to step out? Would you take a risk? Would you, in some case, give up something that you want for the sake of others or for the sake of God? And this is the exciting life that we've been called to live, but this is the life of the seeker. These two seekers, 
They position themselves through their devotion, through their worship, through their surrender, through their hearts to see Jesus. Christmas time, it reminds us Jesus chose to reveal himself to us. And he wants to reveal himself to every one of us without exception. No matter who you are, if you grew up in a Christian home, great. If this is the first time you've been to church, great. It doesn't matter. Jesus is real. And if you set your heart to seek him, you'll see him. You'll know. How will you know? You'll know. God will speak something. Let's pray. Why don't you bow your heads? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, I just want to speak life to some of the dreams that have been lost in people's lives, some of the disappointments. And right now, I just speak the life of Jesus. Some of you have been in brokenness, broken relationship. And God is saying, trust me for healthy relationships. Let me in. Let me in. You can love again. You can trust again. Some of you have been disappointed financially. You've lost uh, finances and money through no fault of your own. Jesus is restoring. He has the power to restore. And so I speak that. I speak an ease over people's finances. Some of you have been disappointed in your career and your business. Begin to believe again. Begin to talk to God again. He's got answers. He's got solutions. Hold on to that word. You know you've got a word. You know you've got a word from God about your business, about your career, in a relationship, in family. Begin to believe in some of the things you set to do in ministry and to do with God, to partner with God, to help others. Begin to believe again. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, if we seek you, we will see you. We will see your face. We will encounter you as a person. We will also see your hand. We will see you move and see you change circumstances. In Jesus' name. Before we go, while everyone's eyes are closed, I want to give people an opportunity. If you've never said yes to Jesus to make that first step to say, Jesus, I don't, I don't know all the answers. I've still got a lot of questions, but I want to make that first step in seeing you not just as a man, but as God. If that's you, would you just let me know just by putting your hand up wherever you are, and I would love to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone who's bold enough to do that in this moment? Thank you, Lord. Just to slip your hand up wherever you are. Thank you, God. Thank you. Lord, we thank you that you're speaking to people. Your Holy Spirit is encouraging people. You're shifting hearts. You're creating love and desire.
And so, Lord, we thank you for that, God. We commit this season to you. Yes, a season of fun. Yes, a season of relaxation. Yes, a season of hanging out with family. But most important, a season where we seek you so that we can see you because that's what you've promised. And so, God, we honour you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Who can sense the presence of God here? The presence of God is in this place to heal, to restore. So what we're going to do, um, we're going to close the service. And uh, thank you for being with us this year. Next year, we're going to come back with a desire to love others, to love God. Pretty Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.